I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as falls and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Hello there, Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcast, and welcome to an all-new episode of Nerd Alert. It's going to be a slim show this week. It's just the dynamic duo of myself and my trusty stalwart right-hand sidekick in pixie boots and a short cape. Uh, the Robin to my Batman, the... the um, Bucky to my cap, the launch of the other random psychic. Speedy to my green arrow, because those names make sense. The kid flash to my grown up flash. Psychic names are weird. Okay, it's uh, joining us from somewhere in time and space. Uh, <laughs> the sidekick who's physically bigger than me, the doc. <laughs> I'm the baby, gotta love me. Nice. Not the mama, not the mama. Not the mama. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's such a good show. That's only it, gotten better. I gotta watch it again because what is it? It's out there somewhere. It's on Disney Plus. Yeah, and, and, and uh, if I gotten better, I mean I'm older and I get more of the jokes now. Yeah, I like and, like Earl works for a company called the We Say So Corporation. <laughs> I get that joke now. Ah, uh, and you know I. I saw on Facebook Grit was posting about the show, and I'm just like, man, I gotta watch that again. It's just it's so good. It was something else. It was something else. Uh, we're of course talking about dinosaurs, the short-lived ABC drama. Uh, well, it's, it's not, uh, sitcom, I guess. The Honeymooners, but with dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, and by dinosaurs we mean people in giant puppet suits. Uh, yeah, that show. Uh, but that should give you a good taste of what's in store for the rest of this show. Because uh, Jason had a great idea for a topic. And uh, we, we kicked Commander Scott out this week because he's not a real 90s kid. We didn't. He had something to come up. He couldn't be on the show. He was supposed to be here. Uh, but it sounds better that way. So it's just the 90s kids in here. So grab yourself some Dunkaroos. Throw on some... Was TRL 90s or 2000s? They're uh, all some Fox Kids. Uh, get ready for Batman and Animaniacs. Uh, grab yourself a... An story? Orbits? A Surge. I, oh, uh, I said Orbits. Orbits works too. <laughs> oh, God, Orbits. Uh, jump on to AOL. Uh, I'm trying to... Hey, you've got mail. 
because this throw week, in your, go ahead. Throw in your burned CD. Oh, wow, man. You're burning CDs in the 90s? Look at you, cool kid. Do you get those songs off Napster? Bet you did. I did. Napster, I Napster did. even 90s? I feel like Napster was 2000s. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this week, we're talking about uh, because Commander, or sorry, because the Doc and I are of a certain age. Um, we're 90s kids. So we're talking about, you know, there's, there's all this love going around for 80s stuff. And that's fine. I'm cool with that. I, you know, I, we're, you again, you and you and I are of that age where like we're 90s kids, but we remember some 80s shit because, you know, we were kind of there at the yep. tail end of the, you know, I remember Masters of the Universe and, and you know, Karate Kid and shit. Um, and hey, who doesn't, who's not excited for new He-Man cartoons on Netflix? And we're all loving Cobra Kai. That's great. And that's good. But, uh, how about some love for the '90s shows, huh? Hmm? Huh? Yeah? yeah. Where's the Goof Troop love, huh? Ooh, Goof Troop. Uh, which will not That's be on my list cut. because I just now thought deep of it. Deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, the '80s were awesome. Everyone loves the '80s. I, I don't mean to detract from them, but the '90s were not without their awesomeness too. And we're here to talk about that. So this week we were talking about shows from the '90s that we think deserve a comeback or a reboot or whatever. We'll get into that, you know, each individual program. Uh, That said, let's get into it. The doc, I need you to uh, uh, set your time circuits. Okay. Flux capacitor fluxing. (laughs) Shift that bitch to 88 miles per hour and take me back to the 90s. What's our first show? Now, back in the 90s, 90s Doc gets home from, you know, elementary school, fifth grade, sixth grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, something somewhere in there. Plops down on the couch, turns on Cartoon Network, and that telltale introductory song that I can't even give credit to, and probably one of the greatest opening credits for a cartoon. Uh, I'm talking about Batman the Animated Series. You're, you're crediting that to Cartoon Network? Wasn't it? It was. That was Fox, man. Fox Kids. I felt like I watched it on Cartoon Network. It, anyway, it, it re-aired on Cartoon Network, but that, that was an OG Fox Kids show, man. All right, regardless. Regardless. Uh, Batman the Animated Series, great opening sequence that if you know what we're talking about, yeah. <laughs> Just that that music itself, if, once it starts playing, you're like, yeah, it's Batman time. Yeah. Uh, ran from 1992 to 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, great voice acting. Um Oh, I can't think of his name. I have his autograph at school, too. So glad you did your homework. Kevin Conroy? That's it. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Conroy. Uh, met him. Great guy. Uh, just that that cartoon show was was it. Like, if you... like, It was kind of peak Batman, if you ask well, me. What's... I think... I, and again, this this is going to come up a lot with the shows we pick, but because we were of a certain age when that hit, 
uh, and I'm sure you're in the same boat as me, Jay. Prior to this show, all you knew of Batman, or all I knew of Batman anyway, was the old Adam West TV show that was on Nick at Night that my mom would wake me up to come watch because she watched it as a kid, and the Michael Keaton movie. Yep. That was all. That's the only reference I had for Batman until this show. And to this day, there's not a better introduction for a kid to the world of Batman. Uh, Batman is uh, <laughs> is uh, flagging would call him. Uh, there's no better introduction to the world of Batman than this show. Uh, it it's in its first four seasons, which are what I would really consider because after that they went with like the new adventures of Batman and they changed up the animation style and some of the voice actors changed and stuff. But like those first four seasons where it's Batman, the animated series, not only some of the best cartoon uh, stuff ever created, some of the best TV ever written. Um, the, the episode with Mr. Freeze won an Emmy. Uh, it was, it was that great. Uh, it, it, it completely changed the game. It did everything you're not supposed to do with a kid's cartoon. Um, but it all worked beautifully. And again, and, and anytime you mention Batman to me, like the animated series is kind of my default because that was my introduction to Batman, like proper. Like the first time I learned how did Robin become Robin was this show. How did you know the, the origins and backstories of all the rogues gallery? My default version is Batman, the animated series. Yeah. Um, years years passed i mean years passed before i knew that mark hamill was the joker years passed you're not the only one man and when i found out i was like wait luke skywalker is the joker no and then when you go back and you watch those shows again and you listen you're like okay yeah i can kind of hear it but he did such a great job you know what's in oh sorry good i was just gonna say it and like just the recurring plot lines with the Joker throughout the run of that, that series. Like he was Batman's major nemesis. It was, it was so good. Anyway, go ahead. You know, know, what's crazy about that is, and we could do this all day with this show, but because Mark Hamill and that performance are so iconic and so ingrained in an entire generation, the same way Kevin Conroy's voice, if I'm reading a Batman comic, it's Kevin Conroy's voice in my head when Batman speaks, but Mark Hamill was not the original voice for the Joker. Ooh. The original voice uh, was rejected after recording at least one episode because it was deemed too scary for kids. (laughs) And when I drop this name, you're immediately going to be like, okay, I can see why that would be too scary. And you're immediately going to want to be like, can I get that recording? Because I want to hear that. The original voice for the Joker on Batman the Animated Series, Tim Curry. Oh. Right? Oh, God. He did. He's friggin' scary as the um, the smoke monster thing in Fern Gully. Instantly like, okay, okay. I can see why that would be too scary for kids. Uh, but as a grown man in my mid-30s, uh, we got those tapes somewhere because I will give you money for someone yeah. to redub Tim Curry as the Joker. No offense to you, Mr. Hamill. You did an amazing job. We love it, but like, I gotta yeah. know what that sounds like. Right? Uh, yeah, so um, some trivia 
to put in your hat, kids. Uh, there's just so many good episodes from that series, too. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, there's one. I can't remember exactly what it... He was uh, He was fighting somebody on the side of a volcano. He was fighting the ninja, whose name I can't remember, uh, the rival student in his ninja school. And he took his mask off as Batman and fought yep. him as Bruce Wayne. Which was totally an homage to him fighting Ra's al Ghul in the comics. It was, yeah. That's great show. No, totally agree. Uh, amazing show. So, ah, sorry, the second part of that. Are we rebooting it? Reviving it? What's going on? I, honestly, I you can't do better than what that show did. Okay? That's my argument. Okay. You're never going to make it better. Okay? All I want is for it to be available. Somewhere. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe I'd... Streaming somewhere. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, you, 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 buddy. Yeah, it's uh, it's available on an HBO Max. Oh, <laughs> oh, I need to get me um, some HBO Max. Yeah, and uh, it was just announced last week that there's potentially a revival of the show in the works for HBO Max. Oh, <laughs> okay. I guess that sold me. <laughs> well I'm going to be a crotchy old man for a minute then okay so this popped up I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago that at HBO Max because they're desperate for content um, they're potentially bringing back the animated series um, no real word it's, it's in the very very early phase there was no word on to like they weren't announcing like hey all the voice actors are coming back or uh, Bruce Tim or Paul Dini, like they didn't announce any of the creative people behind it or anything like that. It was just like, hey, this may be in the works. And a bunch of friends of mine got excited. And to a degree, I can understand why. Because I love that show. It was a huge part of my childhood. Like I said, it, it, it you know still to this day informs me on my knowledge of Batman. I don't want to see a reboot or a revival, I guess I should say. I, I don't want them to make an, you know another season of that show now. That show at that time was lightning in a bottle. The right creative minds, the right voice talent, uh, the right ballsiness of, of you know the, the level of uh, violence and gore. Well, not really gore, but scary, intense situations. Yeah. Um, yeah. The fact that they literally drew it on black paper, stuff like that. Uh, that show was so one in a million. You're never going to catch that again. I, you're, yeah. never, you're never going to bottle that lightning again. It, even then, even back in the day, it, it lasted for four glorious seasons, and then they started fucking with it. And, you know, changing the character design, swapping out voice actors, it all kind of fell apart. Like, so many people, you know, they hear that, and they instantly think of, yeah, that was awesome when I was a kid, do it again. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same, and it's only going to tarnish what was an amazing thing. Uh, if you want, if, 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 and I get that desire, if you want to see what another season would have been of this show, go to your local comic book store 
and get a copy of Batman The Adventures Continue, which is exactly that. It is Batman the Animated Series, if it had continued in comic book form. Uh, JC, I'm going to tell you why you need to buy it right now. The first three issues introduce what would have been the animated series version of Deathstroke. <laughs> Thought that get you. Yeah. Um, I guess, so when I say like a revival, I, I, I see what you're saying and I get what you're saying and it's never going to be the same. But I just want to be able to watch that series again. And you know you can go buy it right now, right? Like listen, listen. Okay, I physical know media still exists, kids. I understand that. I'm just saying that okay. sometimes, like when you're at home, you don't have anything to watch. Turn on your streaming service because you don't feel like digging through your DVD collection, oh. unless you're. Obi John, and you don't have to dig through any collection; it's just right there. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I thought I'd start us off right. Something that we both loved from the '90s. Solid first pick, buddy. All right, I'm going to go different because um, we originally talked about this idea. We talked about sitcoms, and I was not a big sitcom guy back in the day, but there were a few that caught my attention. And this is the closest one you could kind of consider a sitcom on my list. <clears throat> it is quintessential 90s, even though it technically started in the 80s. Um, and it is the premise is so out there and so ahead of its time. I can't believe it hasn't already been rebooted. Talking about the adventures of. One 16-year-old licensed medical doctor, Doogie Hauser, MD. <laughs> oh, my God. Doogie. Um, the show ran from 89 to 93 on ABC. It was canceled after the fourth season. Never got a proper ending. Remember that. You're going to hear that phrase a lot. <laughs> um, the guys who created it. Stephen Bochco and David E. Kelly. If you those names sound familiar, you've seen their names on shows like L.A. Law, NYPD Blue, Ally McBeal, Boston Legal, Chicago Hope, Big Little Liars. Uh, they're two of the most like prevalent uh, TV producers of their age. Um, and just like Batman the Animated Series, there is a planned reboot on Disney Plus. But here's the thing: I don't want a reboot of the show. Um, I don't want a young Sheldon, but he's a doctor because that's what it's going to be. I I don't want that. What I want, what real fans want is a legacy sequel. I want Neil Patrick Harris back as Doogie Howser. Now, what's he up to? What's Doogie doing now? Did he stay a doctor? Apparently the writers at one point were going to, you know, their ending in mind was that Doogie becomes disenfranchised with the medical profession and leaves being a doctor and becomes a writer. Is that what happened to him? Is he still a doctor? Did he become a writer? Does he have a genius kid who's now a 16-year-old doctor? I don't know. But these are all questions I want to see answered. Did he become an evil super genius? Who maybe has a blog where... I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, Jay. The point is, the world needs answers. The hammer is Uh, my penis. (sighs) I have a t-shirt that says that somewhere. Um, 
Sorry, now all I can think about is Nathan Fillion. Uh, look, the whole thing with, with Doogie Howser. Again, this was one of those premises like it shouldn't have worked then, but it did because they got super lucky with Neil Patrick Harris. And yep. the rest of the cast of that show was fantastic. Uh, it it, it could have been just played for laughs, but they really treated it seriously. And, and it was often as much a drama as it was a comedy. And if you're going to cash in on the Doogie nostalgia, don't just prop up a new show with the name Doogie Hauser MD. Give us Doogie Hauser. There is only one Doogie. His name is Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, he's 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 tiptoed around, ever coming back to the role. Uh, I think he's he's revived the role, or or you know, put on a doctor's coat for like commercials and promos and stuff like that. But he's never actually reprised the character. And again, if you're gonna do Doogie Hauser, if your whole thing is let's cash in on the '90s nostalgia and get the the people who were kids when this was on first time to tune in again, he at least needs to be there in a supporting role. I, I'm not saying this to be all about him. Again, maybe he's got a kid who's who's following in his footsteps and becoming a doctor, and he's there to you know like the the, the guiding hand kind of behind the scenes or something. Fine. Uh, maybe he's not a doctor anymore. Maybe he did leave and become a, he became a writer, and now he sees you know his son or daughter following in his footsteps and and whatever. There's tons of ways you could you could skew it, uh, but he at least needs to be there in a supporting role. I uh. No, you're good. Um, I would like to see it maybe where Doogie is no longer the doctor, but instead maybe the hospital administrator. Yeah, that's a way to go. Um, and his kid or some sort of relative, maybe not necessarily his kid, but like niece, nephew type thing is the doctor. And explore that dynamic of having to work with a your family member as a boss, basically. <laughs> yeah, I know it's shocking, but I didn't think it was that shocking. So shocking, I had a punch from Mike. Yeah. Um, again, it's just it's it's one of those. You think '90s, and yeah. this is one of the things my mind goes to, and it, it boggles my mind. We haven't tried to do it again, but that's that's my number one or, or my first pick. Uh, of 90 shows that need a reboot. Uh, Doogie Hauser MD. Firing right out of the gate. I like yeah. it. Coming out. Um, so I'm going to stick with the, I guess, well, you said sitcom. Doogie's definitely not a sitcom. Um, it flirts with that. There territory. were hilarious situations where yeah. he had two dates in one night. I don't know. Uh, but it's like, there's no live studio audience yeah, no, that's that's the only thing. one on my list you could even remotely kind of bend the rules yeah. to say is this it called the rest are all just completely not sitcoms uh so i in the 90s i did two things basically watched cartoons <laughs> and um watched sitcoms um, oh, oh. <laughs> watched cartoons and watched sitcoms usually the sitcoms we watched were it was with my family on like thursday friday nights Nothing to watch, you know, order a pizza. You're eating your pizza watching TGIF. There's a throwback for you. Gonna have some fun, show you how it's done, TGIF. Oh, TGIF. And um, one of my favorite shows from the 90s, because 
in the 90s, I was a kid. I was I was getting older. I was going through things. Can't I wanted, confirm. I, I wanted somebody to go th- through and see how they handled those situations. And this one was probably at the top of my list of favorite 90s sitcoms. Uh, and that is Boy Meets World. Um, Boy Meets World ran from 1993 to 2000, and it followed the Matthews family, specifically Corey Matthews, played by one of the savages. Ben? Are you asking me to do homework for your pick? No, I can't remember now. It's not Fred. I don't think it's Savage, yeah. Ben Savage. Um, but it it follows him through middle school, through high school, and into college, and just sort of the angsty things that he would get involved with. Uh, his best friend uh, in the show's name was Sean Hunter. Sean had kind of a bad backstory, a lot of crap happening to him, and, you know, everybody knew people like that in school. And I just thought that Boy Meets World was a very relatable show. Uh, a lot of the things that happened to him in that show happened to you. You know, your first crush, um, going on dates. Although one thing that never happened to me was the time that he went on a date with a different girl and then his girlfriend, Tabanga had strep throat and came to the pizza place he was at and ended up giving him strep throat. And I'll let you use your imagination as to how that happened. Uh also, I never had a Mr. Feeney. Did you ever have a Mr. Feeney? Yeah, it was Mr. Feeney. You, well, Mr. Feeney was there for all of us, Jay. It's true. He might have been talking <laughs> to young Mr. Matthews, but really, he was talking to all of us. Feeney? <laughs> uh, yeah. I just love this show. I thought Sorry. Really cool. uh, look, as a uh, man of a certain age, as a... Uh, boy of a certain age back oh, in, uh, in that time uh that that show uh it might have been called boy meets world but that that show was uh the topanga show Ooh, it was the topanga show if if you were a boy in the 90s and you watched you didn't even need to watch boy meets world on a regular basis you had a crush on topanga there's just the way it was that's just the yep. way it was Amy Jo Johnson from Power Rangers, uh, right into Topanga. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, TV crushes of Obi John. If you're making your chart at home, <laughs> uh, and this one, so this one had a sort of revival. Uh, they it had it, a sequel series. Yeah, it was Girl Meets World. Yep. And it was not good. It was not good at all. They tried to, I think what they tried to do is recapture the magic of Boy Meets World, and it just didn't translate well. So part of the thing with Boy Meets World is that show started as a very goofy sitcom about, like, young kids. And because it just kept getting renewed, as the kid actors got older things grew more serious and it, it, you know there were plot lines about um 
Corey getting in trouble because uh, he lost his dad's necklace in the pool and got caught scuba diving after hours trying to find it. Uh, I mean, that was the storyline. Uh, you know, random crap like that. Like as the cast got older, shit got real. The acting got better because they got older, and the storylines got a little more dramatic. And like you said, like that show starts and they were in like middle school. Yeah, it uh, like you know where you like you you pull a girl's hair and make fun of them. By the time that show was over, they were at least in college, if not graduating college. Uh, yeah. So the first few seasons of that show are pretty goofy and and not necessarily in a way that has aged well. Like they're they're they're, they're kind of dumb. Like yeah, there are parents and there's an older brother, but it's made for a younger audience. And Girl Meets World was made for that same younger audience. The problem is we're watching it now as adults. So it stands out a bit more like a sore thumb. Yeah. Because we grew up with that show. So to us, it was never that goofy. But yeah, you go back and watch it. Yeah, it kind of was. I just. I would have liked to have seen. I know it's a continuation of. Corey and Topanga's story, but I would have liked to have seen it. For us as the audience. Just about them being like them, Corey and Topanga being the main characters, not the daughter being the main character. Right. The daughter uh, who who somehow has a friend from the wrong side of the tracks, just like Sean. And yeah. yeah, right. You know, I just I would have liked to have seen them how they handled things as adults, how they handled, you know, raising kids and going through life and everything like that. That's what I would have liked to have seen out of that. And I know you're gonna that would run into you know. Everybody loves Raymond territory. Um, but I thought it would have been good because we could have picked up kind of like where we left off because now we're an older audience and we, un- we would understand more that sort of trials and tribulations than watching their tween daughter go through middle school drama. If that makes sense. I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, that, and that's kind of the inherent issue with a lot of the shows is, you know, Girl Meets World was a sequel series. And in, in a lot of ways, yes, it, it was a direct sequel to the original show. It did have the same characters. I'm pretty sure at least one episode, Sean comes to visit. Um, so it, it did it, sort of like Fuller House is the sequel to Full House. And yeah. that it's like, okay, it's kind of the same show, but we've shifted the characters around a bit because, you know, the, the main characters are now the parents. Um, and yeah, there's definitely, you could have done a version of that show where it's, it's a little more drama, a little less uh, situation comedy. And it, it, Corey and Topanga are the main characters instead of being now the supporting characters. You, you could have done that. Um, but I can see, you know, Disney wanting to, recreate the magic of boy meets world and getting a whole new generation hooked on this show that'll last multiple seasons, which uh, I think it went like two or three seasons. So it didn't, didn't quite work out the way they planned it, but yeah, that's um, definitely a different direction to take it in. Right. So uh, I, I just, I don't think I'd like to see it again, but it was something that was very like a large part of my nineties growing up mm-hmm. was watching this show. And the I knew 
things were different the day that I turned on uh, Boy Meets World and was like, wow, Topanga got hot. And I was like, that's what literally am I a moment in the show, too. <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of creepy to go back and watch it. There's an episode where uh, they're having like swim class or something and they're making fun of uh, Minkus. For wearing a speedo or something, because remember Minkus who like disappeared after yeah. season two or three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hashtag justice for Minkus. Uh, but like they turned it to Panga and make some joke about what do you have on? And she she like drops her robe when she's wearing a swimsuit, and the boys stand there with their jaws on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> like that was literally a moment in the show, which is kind of creepy because that means the adult producers wrote that in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Sorry. I got the <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, Obi John, what do you got for us? All right, Jay. Here's a show for you. Here's a pitch. You ready? You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. What if every week you woke up and you weren't you? You were somebody else. But you were you but in somebody else's body in a different time in a different place, desperately trying to put right what once went wrong, hoping each time that the next leap might be leap home. Talking about the A team, right? Of course. What else would I be talking about? (laughs) Quantum leap. Oh Uh, man. Just, one of the most ingenious ideas for a TV show ever it was on NBC from 89 to 93, created by Donald P. Belisario. If that name also tingles your memory, he goes, where have I heard that before? He's also the guy who created Magnum P.I., Airwolf, NCIS, and JAG. So the guy might know what he's doing. Just putting that out there. Um, page flip. Uh, Starts Scott Bakula as Sam Beckett, who created the... Uh, quantum leap whatever it was called machine uh which was essentially a method of time travel where instead of you physically traveling through time you travel through time in the body of somebody who lived in that time so to everyone around you so say i leapt into jason's body uh when jason was in college to everyone around me i'm jason but i know i'm me in this body uh, and along to help Sam, uh, the, the the premise was every week he had to figure out there was something in the timeline that was getting messed up that needed to be set right. Um, a test that you failed that de- you know, derails your life and I've got to help you pass it or something like, you know, uh, a, a car crash or something. There, there was something happened every week that he had to. And that was the whole thing is he had to figure out. What's gone wrong that needs to be set right? How can I set it right? And if you achieve that goal, you leap again into, hopefully, uh, his goal is to leap back into his body and go home again. Um, but as we'll get to in a minute, that never happened. Um, along uh, with this, he's got his, his uh, Al, his uh, hologram buddy, who only he can see and hear, uh, along with the help of a supercomputer called Ziggy, uh, which nowadays would just be Google on your smartphone. Uh, to help you realize what time period you're in and what's going on and look up information about people. Um, So the show never got a proper ending. Um, It got screwed over by the network at the end of the fifth season. Uh, They were told to make the last episode 
something that could work as either a season or series finale, which is kind of like, well, how the fuck do I do that? <laughs> um, so they did it in a final episode that that tied up some loose ends, but not all of them. And then when this, the network decided, yes, this is going to be the last episode, they randomly threw in some lines of dialogue about Al getting kind of a happy ending uh, with his wife and daughters. And then uh, Sam Beckett never returned home. Literally one sentence, end of the show. Okay, we're done. Which, understandably, left a lot of viewers pissed off. So yeah. my pitch is a follow-up series to Quantum Leap. It's whatever, 20, 30 years later, however many years later we are now. I might go with the maths. Um, we're following a new Leaper. Perhaps this is one of uh, Al's daughters. Uh, that I don't think we ever actually met on the show, uh, but they've grown up hearing stories of Sam Beckett from their dad, and and uh, they've still got the technology. Maybe we, we've perfected it a little bit in the 30 years since. So they're on a mission not to return home, but to find Sam. Ooh. So now the, the way the quantum uh, leap machine works, and I know it has a real name, but I'm just going to call it the quantum leap machine. Um you can only leap back as far as your timeline. So if you're 40 years old, you can't go 41 years back. And yes, I know the show kind of cheated with that a few times. We're like, there's an episode where they went further back in time. I'm like, yeah, no, the, you were in your mother's womb at this point in time. So technically it counts. Uh, or, oh, there's a solar flare. That's why you're so far back. Like they, they cheated that a bit. Um, but, Using that same conceit, casting someone who's in their late 30s, early 40s, you can cover everything from the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, 2010s, up till now. Um, you can cover a lot of ground with those time periods. And that's, you know, the show when it was on in the 90s, it covered a lot of stuff from like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, you know, time periods where your main audience would be nostalgic for. Bam, there yep. you go. We're still doing there that. There you go. Um, you could also do a version. I think this would be cool where maybe we find Sam in the first episode, or we think we find Sam in the first episode and we leap and he leaps with us, but now no one can see or hear him except for our, our new main character. And he kind of takes over the owl role, uh, or maybe they've programmed a hologram that looks like Sam to help them. But then throughout the show, we plant seeds of, well, is it a hologram or is that the real Sam? You know, you can play at that mystery a little bit. I don't know. I'm just throwing shit out there. Uh, but the concept, the premise of the show is genius, especially for a TV show. It means literally you can be in a different time period every week, but you're not a time period so far back that the production values go through the roof. You know, we're not trying to like recreate the Titanic or shit. We're literally just going back 20, 30 years. Um, so, you know, flip phones and bulky computers. Uh, yeah. But uh, it was more about the human drama, and it allowed the show to explore all kinds of things from, like, civil rights, um, to all kinds of timely topics that could be explored through that lens of, of looking through our past. And that still works. Um, so however you want to work Sam into it, or a cameo from Al, whatever. Uh, but I think that the, the premise is too good to drop. And fans of the show never got proper closure. Um, 
since then, there's some stuff leaked on the internet about uh, endings. They and apparently, according to Scott Bakula, who played Sam Beckett, they did shoot a bunch of different endings for the show because they weren't sure how to end it. Uh, so there's deleted footage out there of of alternate endings to the show that you know maybe close things off a little bit more. But we've never really gotten any official. Here's what happened storyline. So with that giant open storyline to play with, how can you not make this a sequel show? Not yeah, just I, a re- I uh, I never watched it like episode by episode, but I definitely did catch some episodes, and it was a very good show. Um, well, that there is also part of the beauty of it is it's very serialized, episode to yeah. episode storyline. You know, there were some two parters and whatnot, but essentially, it was one of those shows where, like, yes, there is kind of an overarching plot of we're trying to leap home. But you know, unless it's a season finale, it's never going to happen. Uh, so it, every episode, you can jump in from the start of that episode, and you don't need to know what happened last week because it doesn't matter. Yeah, perfect TV. Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to piggyback off of that idea, John. Oh, I don't know about. He says you got out. <laughs> I'm going to piggyback off of that, what you said, how you can jump into any episode and it doesn't matter what's going on okay? because you can watch it and find entertainment in it. And I'm going to tell you about what was my dad's, one of my dad's favorite 90s sitcoms. And since everybody who is a 90s kid knows if it's your dad's favorite show, you're going to watch it. You're not going to change the channel when it's on because that's what he's going to watch. And if you don't like it, go to your room and do something else. Uh, But because of that, I became a fan of the show. And recently, I rewatched every single episode of every season, binge watched it straight through with my fiance. Uh, From 1989 to 1998, the kooky adventures of Jerry Seinfeld and his group. The show Uh, about nothing. Literally the show about nothing. You can, I thought maybe if I started at season one and watched it all the way through, there'd be some sort of storyline to a lot of those shows. You could probably count on one hand how many times they had a continuing storyline in a season. Uh, Let me tell you, dude, I was the same exact way, literally like verbatim. That was my dad's favorite show. So I sat there and watched a bunch of episodes with him. Didn't get half the jokes, didn't know what was going on. So when, when Hulu put it up, I was like, cool, I'm going to watch this. And I was the same way. Cause literally episode to episode, they're referencing stuff we've never heard of before. They're talking about, like, you know, Jerry has a new girlfriend every third episode. Yep. And not that you see a girl for three episodes. Like, he has a girlfriend in one episode. Two episodes later, he has a new girlfriend. It's like, well, what happened in the last one? Doesn't matter. We're moving on. <laughs> yes. And it's so funny. Like, to me now, I totally get why it was so funny to my dad. Like, when I look, when I watched it back, I'm like, this is hilarious. And just everything that happens to him. Like I said, there's a few things that like, if you, if you haven't seen previous episodes, you have no idea what's going on. And of course you would have no idea what's going on 
for the series finale if you hadn't been part of Seinfeld that entire time. Which, at the time, the series finale, I was like, really, that's it? But going back to it now, it was the perfect send-off for that show. It was literally all of your favorite characters talking about just how shitty this group of four friends was to everybody but themselves. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, and you think back to all the things that they did as a group. Uh, Hilarious. A lot of antics. Um, Kramer, probably one of the best (laughs) kooky characters, like off the wall. Uh, If you're taking the trope of the wacky next door neighbor, uh, it does not get any more peak wacky next door neighbor than Cosmo Kramer. Oh, God. Just, you know, just his facial expressions and um, everything about that character was just done so well. And I I think back to the episode where uh, Jerry and George write a pilot and it gets picked up by NBC. And uh, that was one of the few storylines that actually carried from episode to episode. Yeah. And I I remember Kramer coming in to audition for himself. Yes. (laughs) you're just like and he just said who better to play kramer than kramer and you're like it's Uh, then he spoiler he doesn't get the part yeah yeah uh Uh, yeah no that the whole premise if you've never watched it give it a watch because it still works beautifully today the whole premise is it's when they say it's a show about nothing it's not really about nothing what it is is it's about petty shit and and Jerry, in years since, has talked about the show. Was the 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 kernel of an idea was where does a stand up comedian get their material from? It's the random everyday stuff that happens in life. You know the observational humor, the observation of observational humor. So it's all about stuff like George double dipping at a party. <laughs> you double uh, dipped, yeah. <laughs> Jerry's car has a weird smell. Stuff it's, just, it's not about nothing. It's just about random petty shit. Yeah. How that gets uh, blown out of proportion. And I, I know that what really kind of brought it down to was when Michael Richards had his little tirade on stage as a stand-up. And everybody just kind of went, whoa, wait a minute here. Like, that's not cool. And so it sort of lost some of its luster. But, like, going back, if you can separate yourself from that. So if you can separate him from doing the stand-up versus him playing Kramer, it, it just, it'll crack you up. And to me, there was no better character, no better recurring character than Jerry Stiller as uh, Frank Costanza. The creator of Festivus. Oh, Festivus for the rest of us. And his, just his mantra of serenity now, just him with his hands in the air screaming serenity (laughs) now is just something that sticks with me. It's just like, oh, and then him and Kramer with the man's ear versus the bro. (laughs) Again, it's a show about petty shit. And Uh, it's no, that, yeah, yeah, it's, um, Probably, and, and I'm sure I'll get some flack for this, but it is probably the most defining show 
of the 90s, especially going back and watching it. That show is so ingrained in the 90s. There are so many episodes where the drama of the episode would be completely null and void in an age when everyone has cell phones. Like there's yes. an entire episode about they're going to see a movie that night, but everyone's plans change at the last minute. And no one can communicate that to anyone else. So, like, Jerry ends up having to do another set at the comedy club he's at. So he has to get in the cab, drive to the theater, uh, wait to find his friends at the theater and tell them his plans have changed. Well, that obviously goes awry. Uh, Kramer decides he wants to get a hot dog, but not a hot dog from that theater, a hot dog from the other theater. So he runs off to the other theater to get a hot dog. And meanwhile, George has to stand in line and get the tickets. Well, George is going to do something else, and he hands the tickets to Elaine and says, here, save our seats. And she's like, I don't want to save seats. I can't save that many seats. Like, so much of that shit, like, it's a hilarious episode. It's fantastic. Yeah. But if you're a, a Gen Xer or Gen Zer, you're just like, well, why don't they just text each other? Like, why didn't Jerry just text them? Hey, I'm not going to make it. Like, why don't they just, like, that's, again, it, it, you have to remember this is in the 90s. Uh, and if you were around in the 90s, it's fantastic. If you weren't around in the 90s, you might have a little bit of an adjustment because uh, no one had cell phones and texting wasn't a thing. Um, so the the second part of that, I don't want to see a revival. I don't want to see a, a recreation of it. I don't want a new one. Uh, it's the same thing that like all the friend, like the Friends fans are clamoring for a reunion. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate a reunion and maybe see what happened after their year in prison. But at the same time, the way that ended was great. And even though it's not an in-universe thing, I know Jerry Seinfeld himself said he ended the series on his terms. Uh, he didn't want to beat it into the ground and have it be something that just kept living on past its prime. Yeah, they um, went out the number one comedy on, on TV. Yeah, which it, it's, it was a brilliant move on his part. And like I said, I don't want to see a revival. I don't want any of that. It would be kind of neat to see some of these characters pop up maybe somewhere else, though. Like little cameos here and there. Well, I don't think it would happen, but... I'm going to go ahead and uh, disagree with you on that one. Ooh. I absolutely 110% at least want a, like... 90-minute Seinfeld revival TV movie or streaming movie or whatever, simply because. Have you heard of a thing called Twitter? Yeah. There is a Twitter that is literally hashed or uh, at Seinfeld today. And all it is is people uh, commenting on Seinfeld situations with the Seinfeld cast today. So, for example, George's girlfriend wants a no phones at dinner rule. George, we had a good thing going, Jerry. Now we're supposed to talk? That can only end badly. Or after her friend with benefits texts her that she should come over to, quote, watch Netflix, Elaine is upset when he actually just wants to watch Netflix. Jerry yeah. refuses to go to a cash-only diner. Jerry, they've seen the credit card. They know the credit card. They need to accept the credit card. <laughs> Here's the last one. When George falls for a Twitter bot, 
Kramer claims he once catfished himself. Jerry, how is that even possible? Kramer, oh, I'm good, Jerry. I'm real good. <laughs> okay. This alone yeah. is the best pitch for, yes, I want this now. I want the same cast, the same characters dealing with the banality of modern life. All right, yeah. You... Yeah, <laughs> I can keep going. Those are just the top. Those are literally the top four on the uh, the thing. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right. You got me sold. You had me sold on the first one with George because I can just picture Jason Alexander as George saying that we had a good thing. <laughs> oh, nice. So Kramer thinks the NSA is spying on him, so he goes quote off the grid, except he uses Jerry's phone, computer, and email. You're just on my grid. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. You might have swayed me, John. You might have swayed me to the let's have this happen camp. I like it. When the Wi-Fi George usually steals suddenly has a password, he becomes addicted to trying to hack in. Jerry, just get your own. George, never. (laughs) They're too good, man. They're too good. It is. These people need jobs. (laughs) <laughs> not like i mean like not that no, they don't yeah, have like anything to do writers. yeah 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 but hire them just pitch out ideas like that because and then let people write oh god i know uh mr jerry seinfeld is kind of averse to do and they did in um um curb your enthusiasm they did kind of do like a a reunion with the characters um but we've never got like a proper seinfeld reunion show it's about damn time uh, NBC, you've got Peacock now. Just back a truckload of money up and convince the cast to come do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... Oh. All right. My pick. All right, man. Here we go. Oh, boy. You brought up Batman earlier. You want to get yeah. nuts? Let's get nuts. Oh, boy. Probably haven't heard of this show, but that's okay. Uh, this one's this was this one's for you, Commander Cox, because it's the one I probably stole from you. Aired for only one season in '93 to '94 on Fox. You hear that a lot on, the, on my list too. It was the greatest sci-fi steampunk western comedy action series ever created, starring the great Bruce Campbell. As a bounty hunting lawman in a show that featured motorcycles, diving suits, rockets, and airships. You know, ships up in the air, but they're armored like some kind of Led Zeppelin. A show inspired by old school adventure serials like Indiana Jones. I'm talking about, of course, you guessed it, obviously, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., and what i want is what we fans never got which is a follow-up to what happened this show was again unceremoniously canceled after one season never got a proper ending so here's what we do uh the original series was set in 1893 which was 100 years in the past from when the show was on so we advanced the plot forward uh 28 years just like it is now so we're now in 1921 uh, the show was all about sort of the Wild West is kind of coming to an end. 
technology is starting to come to the forefront and granted a lot of it was anachronistic technology but that was part of the fun as it had this like Jules Verne steampunk kind of quality to it uh one of the big plot threads revolved around this thing called the orb which was some kind of unidentified flying object yeah what would you call that a UFO yeah um so set the show uh now it's 1921 we're post World War One. Um, there's a lot you can play with that. The West is no longer wild. Um, maybe Briscoe did settle down with Dixie, his love interest, and got married. Maybe he's got a kid now. Um, the overarching story was sort of about <coughs> his attempt to capture John Bly and the Bly gang, who murdered his father, Briscoe County Sr. Throughout this first season, we only met, I think, nine of the 13 members of the Bly gang. So there's people we haven't even met. So he's living a nice, quiet life. He became a sheriff. He retired, living with Dixie. Uh, Maybe he's had some kids. I don't know. Uh, And all of a sudden, word comes to him that Bly and his gang broke him out of prison. I'm pretty sure Alcatraz maybe maybe they broke him out of the rock. I don't know. Write some crazy shit into it. So once again... Duty calls. Briscoe County Jr. has to settle up and ride again in a show called Briscoe County Jr. Rides Again. I like it. With the help of Comet the Wonder Horse, who is legit the smartest character on the show. That is intentional. Yes, the horse. Smartest character on the show. Um, Look, if you've never seen this, uh, it's available on DVD. I don't know if it's available streaming anywhere. It probably isn't. Uh, but it was one of those shows where it's like, this is so good. Of course, Fox canceled it. Uh, and, and the big part of the problem was it aired Friday nights at 8 o'clock. You know, the death spot where shows are put to die, not where you put your new show to grow an audience. So uh, the ratings just never were where they needed to be for the show to continue on, sadly. But it it... I don't know how to describe this accurately because as crazy as it sounds, it's crazier than you have it in your head right now, but in the best way possible. It is a a Western where he's a bounty hunter tracking down this gang, having crazy adventures, sort of Indiana Jones-esque, like adventure serial. It is a Western steampunk sci-fi action comedy starring Bruce Campbell. If I haven't sold you yet, you're listening to the wrong show. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I know this show, but I never actually watched it. Um, it just was not something that I, I, like I said, in the nineties, I did two, basically two things. I watched cartoons and sitcoms. Uh, so Briscoe County Jr. was not on the top of my list of things to watch. Um, but I am familiar with it and I guarantee I would love it. I was lucky enough to stumble across it. Um, I, I caught the pilot, and I don't even think it was the original airing of the pilot. I'm pretty sure it was a re-airing of the pilot. Um, but that's that's how I, I remember it. Um, but man, it's such a good show. And I really put this on here because I knew Scott Cox loves this show, uh, and I know he would love to hear that, and, and I wanted to pitch him my idea for a sequel series. But uh, So if you've never heard of the show, you owe it to yourself to go look it up. Um, if you have, hopefully this has jogged some fun memories for you and you're with me on, uh, come on, Fox, give us Briscoe County rides again. Nice. There you go. Well, it doesn't weird with it. Well, you know what, John, you want to get weird? Yeah, Jay. 
We're going to get weird. Dial it to 11. Okay. All right. You are a transplant from a different country. Okay. Living in America. Everything's different. You live by, everything's different to you. You live by yourself with your faithful dog. Your best friend is a vegetarian raised by a family of carnivores. Your other best friend is a huge nerd that seems to just disappear when things don't go his way. And you have an idol that is a cartoon, that is a, a superhero named Really, Really Big Man. If you haven't figured out what I'm talking about yet, I'm talking about Rocco's Modern Life. Dear and it's. God, buddy. As soon as I said Rocco's Modern Life, I hope to God some of the people listening just went, Rocco's Modern Life, Rocco's Modern modern Life. life. So, talking about Rocco the Wallaby uh, and his dog Spunky, his uh, best friend, Heifer Wolf. So, Heifer was a cow. He's a male cow, but he has udders, and he's referred to as a heifer. I don't think that's ever really talked about, but it's just really kind of funny. Uh, Filbert Turtle is his other friend. He is a turtle. Um, And this is really, this is going to shock you. So Rocco's Modern Life ran from 1993 to 1996 on Nickelodeon. Uh, Rocco himself was voiced by, I'm going to butcher his last name, Carlos Alazraki. Yep. And if you don't know that name, he's Deputy Garcia from Reno 911. He's also another 90s icon. If I said the words to you, you quiero Taco Bell. He was the dog? He's the Taco Bell dog, yeah. I did not know that. I know he did voiceover stuff for a lot of other things. um, But I did not know he was the Taco Bell dog. Uh, And here... Here's one for you. Heifer Wolf is voiced by none other than SpongeBob, Tom Kenny. What? Yeah, crazy, right? That's my mind being blown. Uh, I loved Rocco's Modern Life. I didn't understand a lot of it because a lot of the comedy in that TV show, like a lot of Nickelodeon shows at the time, were above the kids' heads. Yeah, I man. Like, Nicktoons got away with some shit back in the day. Yeah. I, I feel like Nickelodeon cartoons, like, they're like, you know what? We're going to make a cartoon for kids. We're going to put a lot of kid-type things in it, but we know parents are probably going to be forced into watching this with their kids. So Three let's words. throw some Ren shit. Ren and Stimpy. Oh, God, Ren and Stimpy. Uh, I loved Ren and Stimpy, too. But how only one episode of that show was banned, I don't understand. Right. Uh, but Rocco's Modern Life just kind of like it really it didn't it didn't completely jump over the edge like Ren and Stimpy. It really pushed a fine line of just riding that envelope. Are we there? Are we not there? Kind of it's still a kid's show, but it's very edgy. <laughs> like, yeah, it went right up to the edge, but didn't go over it. Yes. 
Uh, I loved that show. It was one of my favorite Nick Nick tunes. Um, I miss it. I can't. I mean, like it's been so long since I've seen it that I can't tell you a lot of what happened. But I just know that there is a lot of crazy stuff that happened. Uh, when you were intro on it, I thought you were going with a different Nick tune. Ah, what one? <clears throat> what if I said to you? Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, I don't know if that's on the list later. I don't, I don't want to potentially spoil something. No, no, that's not it. I thought about it, but uh, it ran for so long that I didn't think it deserved that. You know what I mean? It was on for yeah. a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Rocco, poor Rocco. I miss him. I miss that crazy wallaby. And I know they tried to, again, they tried to bring it back, but it just didn't get traction. Like it did in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them give it another shot. Uh, not sure if you can update it to today, and I'm not sure if the same pushing of the edge would hold up the way it did in the nineties, because there's a lot more today that the youth have been exposed to that some of the scandalous things from Rocco's modern life in the nineties aren't really scandalous to today's youth. Well, you've also got the issue there of, are you making it a kid's show that has humor that will go over their heads? Or are you making it for us, the adults now who were kids then? Cause that shifts the tone of the show. I feel like, so it's like, yeah. who is your target audience for the Rocco's revival? Well, <laughs> Sorry, were you going to... No, that's that's, that's posing the question. I I think, for me, I would enjoy a Rocco revival geared towards me. Like, my age. Kind of like what I said with Boy Meets World. You know? Right. We are the audience that enjoyed this show when we were kids. Bring it back to us now. Kind of like what South Park does. Um... So now I'll say South Park takes it to 11. Actually, South South Park takes it to a million. (laughs) Uh, But something like along those lines where it's a kids type show, but it's definitely not for kids. And it's delivering content that we would find hilarious. Gotcha. But I would not, I don't feel like this this show would have been complete without me bringing up Rocco's modern life. I'm loving the deep cuts with the cartoons, man. Spunky. God, I love that dog. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Why not? Okay. All right, Jay. I know you've at least heard of this one. It was in syndication, meaning it didn't have any one network. It was made, and then whoever wanted to pick it up could pick it up. Ran for six seasons from 92 to 97. And it was a TV sort of sequel to a movie series that we've discussed on the show uh, that went off the rails real fucking quick. But the show... uh, is arguably better than the film franchise it's based on. 
His name is Duncan McLeod. Ah. Of the clan McLeod. He is an immortal ah. and can never die. Uh, I'm talking about Highlander. This was an awesome TV show and one that I will admit I didn't fully watch until years later. <laughs> I think Netflix had it streaming. Uh, because it was syndicated, I never knew when or where to watch it. I always caught random sporadic episodes um, and was always confused about what was going on, but always intrigued uh, as much as I was confused and wanted to know what the, what's that? Who's that? What's going on? Um, I feel like the premise of this show is too good to let lie dormant. And I know there's been lots of talk over the years of doing a reboot movie. 2021 is the time of this recording. There ain't shit on the horizon for Highlander. Uh, there's still a movie in the works somewhere, but it's like, oh, hey, we hired new screenwriters. Oh, so-and-so is going to direct it. And then three months later, oh, they left it now. Like at one point, it was going to be Ryan Reynolds. I don't know if he's attached to it anymore or not. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. But Highlander is too cool to just not have something Highlander-ish. Um, the show focused on a different character from the movies. In the movies, it's Connor McLeod. In the show, it's Duncan McLeod. Uh, Connor does appear in the pilot to kind of like pass the torch kind of thing. <clears throat> and in the fourth movie, the two of them um, are both in that movie. But the premise, if you're unfamiliar with Highlander, living among all of us schmucks are immortals. Uh, people who can never die except for that one time. Uh, they're born, they age naturally, something happens and they die, but they don't really die. They wake back up later and whatever age and physical age they are at that point, they will stay that age forever. They are immortal and to a degree invulnerable. The only way to kill them is to cut off their head and take with it their power. So you, as a schmuck, a mortal, if you can kill an immortal, can become immortal and claim their power. Sounds pretty. Well, there's a little bit of a hitch, a little bit of a, a little bit of a uh, inconvenience there. There are rules to being an immortal. Number one, you cannot do combat or spill blood on holy ground. Uh, that's it's. That's pretty much it, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there is a thing called uh, the quickening. Uh, actually, sorry about that. Uh, the gathering, excuse me. I'm getting my, my mythology mixed up. <laughs> is a time when all the remaining immortals will be gathered together because in the end, there can be only one immortal. So as you meet other one. immortals, you do have kind of a spidey sense that goes off when a, another immortal is near you. So you can identify each other. They make friends. They can be allies. They can help you, you know, train you up and, and whatnot. But in the end, there can be only one. There can be only one. <laughs> Which puts an inherent kind of uh, damper on some of them friendships. Uh, there's also, we discovered in season two, an entire secret organization called the Watchers, who, as their name implies, observe the comings and goings of the immortals without interfering and, and document all of it. Um. If an immortal has some kind of crazy superpower and you kill them, you gain it. Uh, the more quickening, which is what it was called when you cut off an immortal's head and gain their power, it's called the quickening. Uh, the more quickenings you have, the more life force you absorb, the more powerful you become. So <clears throat> the show is awesome. It was a great, great show. Over six seasons, it explored all kinds of stuff. Things like evil quickenings. 
um when someone's corrupt and you you know kill them and you know you become corrupt by quickening um lots of cool stuff to introduce and there's there's really two ways you can kind of do this one is just a new we pick a new highlander and follow them and you can have uh adrian paul come in as duncan um because i think in the current with They uh, all kind of don't really make uh, much sense, but uh, that's one way to do it, is is your legacy series, uh, sort of like the pilot episode of the first one of this series where we kind of pass the torch, or hit that big old reboot button because uh, the movie sure is fuck ain't happening anytime soon. Just give us Connor McCloud, <clears throat> give us a series about the Highlander, Connor McCloud. <coughs> Lots of flashbacks to his time. Uh, you could recast uh, our favorite named character in all of Fran- uh, movie history. Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, Egyptian chief metallurgist uh, to Her Majesty the Queen of Spain, played by Sean fucking Connery. Yep. Uh, so have a new Ramirez character. Uh, introduce a new Kurgan, who was the villain from the first movie. Uh, you just you know do all that, but in a TV show because because of the inherent nature of the immortals that they've lived for hundreds of years. The show uh, featured a lot of flashbacks and a lot of people he, that Connor met in 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 a prior part in his life, and then they recur back in his life now. So lots of flashbacks. Um, lots of long drawn out kind of drama and storylines. And that is obviously easier to do in a TV show than a two hour movie. So I think the, the premise of the show inherently lends itself to a TV series better, uh, than it does a movie. So maybe the reason all these Highlander movie reboots have failed is because it works better as a TV show. Uh, listen, John, I agree with you a thousand percent. Oh, wow. And I only have two words to make this pitch even better. I'm listening. Alan Tudyk. I'm sorry, you you pronounced that wrong. Uh, (laughs) I think what you meant to say was Carl fucking Urban. Him too. Him too. (laughs) Could you imagine? Just say, just just imagine Carl Urban as Connor McLeod. Highlander, yeah. Yeah. And Alan Tudyk as uh, Juan Carlos Villalobos Ramirez, right? Yeah, Juan Carlos, yeah? Did I get that right? You're adding a Carlos that doesn't need to be there. Sorry. Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. Get it right! Juan Sanchez Carlos Villalobos Ramirez He's not the pirate of Carlos O'Kelly. Quit adding Carlos in there. Yar, the pirate of Carlos O'Kelly. Two kids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's deep cut too uh <laughs> but no i agree with you i you know i i caught a few episodes of this um i have another friend is a friend of obi john's as well a different scott that lives here in iowa um he was a huge fan of the show carlos o'kelly's joke he, he would understand the pirate of carlos o'kelly's joke uh he he was there for that um you get you lost my i made scotty is a big fan of highlander scotty's a big huge fan actually when uh adrian paul was at uh the lexington comic and toy convention i got an autograph for scotty and sent a snapchat to him of 
Adrian Paul saying there can be only one. And in return, all I had to do was follow him on Instagram. Uh, nice. For the for the Snapchat, the autograph, awesome. obviously, yeah. I had to pay for. But just to get that, to send that Snapchat video, he's like, hey, just follow me on Instagram. And I was like, I'm doing it right now. Uh, and he sent that to Scotty. Scotty uh, immediately shit his pants. Uh, <laughs> but I remember I saw that movie with Scotty, the fourth Highlander movie. Highlander Endgame. Yeah, he really wanted to see it because he was a huge fan of the TV show. Um, But I, yeah, I agree with you. I'd love to see a reboot of Highlander as a TV show, Um, whether it's Duncan or Connor or both. Yeah, or make a new one up. Who cares? Or make another McCloud or doesn't even have to be McCloud. It has to be McCloud. Otherwise, it's not Highlander. Let's see, we've got Connor, we've got Duncan. How about, like, like Heimlich? Yeah, sure, I don't care. <laughs> Just cast Carl Urban and we'll all watch it. Uh, yeah. No, like, it's again, the premise of, of both the movie and the show, it's, it's such a simple yet intriguing idea. There's so much story potential there. It's, it's I, I get why they're trying to revive it and reboot it. Um, I also get why it's falling apart all the time because the more our lives get based around technology, because part of the premise is you live forever. How do you have like a social security number? You know, how do you, there's a plot point in the first movie where um, Connor goes by the name Kevin Nash and someone looks it up and finds out that Kevin Nash died uh, like six weeks after he was born. So like literally he stole someone's identity because that's what you have to do to live as an immortal. So like, as we get into more like technology dominated age, it gets a little tricky, but whatever, man, hackers or stuff. I don't know. Figure a way out computers. I don't know. Um, but like, it, it's such a cool premise and lends itself to uh, something. I know you're a fan of Jay, which is badass sword fights. Oh yeah. Uh, and I think we can all agree what we're missing on TV right now. Is badass sword fights. Yeah, I agree. So we here at Nerd Alert are very pro badass sword fights. So we're also for hire. <laughs> we can write yes. a lot of things for you, a lot of things. Um, but yeah, that was just. Uh, I was thinking, you know, what, what from that era? Because a lot of my stuff on my list is like. It was ahead of its time and didn't work. So it deserves a second shot. And I was like, well, what did work but still deserves a second shot? And I was like, you know, Highlander. Yeah, it was on, yeah. you know, for six seasons in syndication by a, a show primarily shot in France uh, and then syndicated to American TV. Like, that's a recipe for failure, but it worked. Gangbusters. Uh, to the point, like you said, like, by the time you get to the fourth movie, the TV franchise and the TV characters took over the movie franchise. Uh, I mean, Connor's in the Highlander Endgame, but it's Duncan's story at that point. So, like, it worked really well, but it ended in 97. We haven't had shit for Highlander since then, except for a couple of crappy sci-fi channel original movies. Look at you, Highlander, the source. Uh, like, it's, it's it we're due for a revive. Yeah. For sure. And then the continuity is such that you could ignore or incorporate whatever you want from the current timeline into your show if you want to do it as a legacy show or just hit the reboot button and start the whole thing over again. Either way would work. Yeah. 
maybe Adrian Paul is the new Juan Sanchez via Lobo Ramirez. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing the ideas out there. Gonzalez, Hector, Franklin. <sighs> no respect at all. Well, John. Yes, Jay. I am going to end my list with a pick that is not necessarily just one show. Sounds like a cheat, but I'll allow it. Well, when I bring this up, you're going to be like, yeah. Yeah. You want to bring me up the whole TGIF lineup? No, no, oh, okay. no, no. Okay. John, we are teenage boys. Well, we're we're not teenagers anymore, but we are men of a certain age that at one point in time, we were teenage boys. Can confirm. <laughs> and when we were teenage boys, you and I, we've been friends since fifth grade, and you and I both know that when we were teenage boys, we wanted action. We wanted adventure. We wanted some badassery. We wanted storytelling. We wanted visuals. But we didn't always know where to get it. And this delivered every afternoon on Cartoon Network. The lineup changed from time to time. But boy, did it give us a lot of our favorites. One I know in particular that you and I watched several times together. If you haven't figured it out, what I'm talking about is Toonami. Oh. Toonami is what I'm talking Again, about. Again, uh, more of a programming block than a show, but I'll allow it. And I agree. And this is why it's, a, okay, it's a little on the edge of just a singular show. But Toonami alone introduced me to things like Dragon Ball Z, um, Gundam, yay, Gundam Wing, woo, uh, the the Gundam series after that yeah. that I can't remember, um, Cowboy Bebop, there you go. Uh, oh God, there was another one I can't think of where the spaceships had arms. No, no. I wish I could remember it. I can't. It's been so long. But it it was a schedule. It was a block of scheduling of like of programming in the afternoons that were designed to keep teenage boys, specifically age, say, 13 to 16, entertained so that they didn't go out and do something crazy right after school. That's basically what it was. Um, like I said, and this made me, it made me think of it because I know we were talking about uh, Pacific Rim on a recent episode. And then we started talking about Gundam. And then that made me think of this because I know, John, you and I sat down and watched a lot of Gundam Wing on Toonami. Uh, I mean, look. <clears throat> It was called Toonami. Break that down. It, it was literally Cartoon Network anime. And it was a, what, two-hour block? Something like that, yeah. Straight-up anime. Uh, and, and introduced a lot of Western audiences to shows that, you know, our Japanese counterparts had known for years, but we were just discovering for the first time. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it cycled programming a lot. <clears throat> 
but it always kept things fresh and it had a pretty good batting average as far as hits versus misses. And they did a couple of years ago, they did like a 24 hour revival kind of thing where like they brought it back for a day or something like that. But, um, no, I agree. It's awesome. It should come back. I don't know what freaking shows you would program in now. Cause I'm so out of the anime scene now, not that I was ever really in it, but, right. uh, so I, I don't know. Yeah, here's this is this is my pitch for Toonami now. Okay, okay, and that's even a great name for it, Toonami now. Uh you bring back those shows that you started with, sort of like a just a nostalgia explosion of shows that again, people of our age watched on a regular basis. Bring them back, show them again. In fact, you could almost you could almost argue for some type of streaming service called just Toonami. That I know there's a lot of animes on Netflix. I don't know if there's so many on Hulu. I haven't really looked into it on Hulu. Well, the problem you're gonna have with the streaming service is getting streaming rights for those services yeah. because they're probably already sold to somebody else. That's true. Uh, I just, but in a perfect world, yeah. Because I just think of how awesome it would be to be able to get on something like Netflix that's just called Toonami and fire up Gundam Wing again and have those episodes of Gundam Wing along with, you know, the greatest Gundam movie of all time, The Endless Waltz. Well, and I also think you, you've got a. I mean, yeah, it'd be cool to see the old stuff like that for us old guys. But yeah, you've got bring to, in you've some got new to, stuff. You've got to rotate in stuff that's new, or you're you're going to die. Um, and that's again, that's what kept Toonami fresh and kept it on so long. Is there was as soon as one show would end its run, we plug something else in. So there was you know rarely a time when something new wasn't popping up on Toonami. Um, <clears throat> I think the only issue there is, and, and what made Toonami so awesome was at the time, no one was doing that. Streaming right. didn't exist. Um, the only way you could find, you know, the internet was still kind of in its infancy. The only way to find anime was to stumble across it or to, to order, you know, VHS tapes from Japan. Uh, there wasn't like Crunchyroll, which, you know, is a, a service online just for, for anime now. So, what made it so awesome was that it was here's, you know, and it wasn't all anime because I'm sure people are saying that. Yeah. Like Batman, the animated series was on there. Uh, plenty of stuff that wasn't anime was on there, uh, yeah. but a lot of it was anime inspired at least. Uh, and, and it was that main line for kids like us were like, we didn't know where to go to find any of this. We didn't know. It, it's sort of like uh, the closest thing I can think of it now is like shutter. Uh, which is a horror streaming service, but they curate their movies. And what I mean by that is they aren't just buying up whatever horror movie has cheap streaming rights and, and tossing it up and calling it a service. They're actively like, oh, you see stuff like Color Out of Space and Mandy um, that are shutter exclusive or shutter original like they are horror fans curating horror for horror fans and that's what toonami was it was whoever was in charge of programming it was i love this stuff i know there's an audience for it let me deliver it to them 
And like I said, their batting average was pretty damn good as far as picking great anime shows to show to audiences in America, most of us for the very first time. Um, yeah, I know they sort of, they moved it from like the afternoon block to being on Adult Swim and Toonami sort of morphed into Adult Swim and he kind of got the same thing, but then Adult Swim turned into something else and it just kind of lost what Toonami was to me. Um, it, like you said, it delivered shows and to me, it delivered shows to us that we didn't know we needed until we saw yes. them. Yes, perfectly. Uh, I'm. I want to say I'm pretty sure SWAT Cats was on Toonami for a while. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it's just like all these shows that you're like, yeah, I, hey, it's four o'clock in the afternoon, Cartoon Network. It's my TV. We're we're watching Toonami for the next two hours or until dinner. Uh, yeah. You'd, you'd be hard pressed to find me watching anything else in the afternoon from like, I think it ran, it started in 97 because I was definitely getting into middle school and I was like, yeah, I kind of need some more action type cartoons. Cause don't get me wrong. I loved me some X-Men on Fox in the morning. Uh, but I needed something for after school to, you know, hold me over. And Toonami delivered. Hell yeah. Now I'm thinking about Gundam Wing again, John. <clears throat> Let me snap you out. Okay, everybody? <clears throat> okay. George refuses to date a woman when he sees her on two different dating apps. George, it's too desperate. Jerry. <laughs> How did you find out, George? Come on, both. <laughs> Have you just been searching on Twitter this whole time? Looking George for goes to war with an evil barista who writes embarrassing things on George's cup instead of his name. <laughs> oh, my Jerry's God. Jerry's girlfriend texts in the movies but acts like it's okay because she sits in the last row. Girlfriend. <laughs> Who am I bothering? Jerry. Me! You're bothering me! <laughs> that was just a sample of the 510 tweets you can find on Modern Science. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let me bring this thing home. It's another show you may not have heard of, Jay. All right. Uh, I know you've at least heard me rant about it. I don't know if you've ever watched, watched it. What if I told you there was a Starship Troopers TV show before Starship Troopers existed? By that, I mean the movie, not the book. What if I told you that on Fox, picking up on the theme here, for one season, picking on that theme there, from 95 to 96, you could have seen essentially Starship Troopers on TV. A show called Space Above and Beyond. Created by Glenn, uh, Glenn Morgan and James Wong, the guys behind uh, X-Files, Final Destination, Millennium, and American Horror Story. <clears throat> it was about humans beginning to colonize space via a network of wormholes and accidentally sparking a war with an alien race called the Chigs. Huh. 
which were losing badly. The show followed a group of recruits as they go through basic training in the pilot all the way through uh, becoming grizzled veterans by the end of season one. Uh, Their unit called the Wild Cards. And Jay, what if I told you? Because I know how much you love Starship Troopers, and I know you're torn because you love infantry because they have big guns. But you also love fleet because they get to fly ships. Well, what if I told you in Space Above and Beyond you could do both? Ooh. It's in Space Above and Beyond, the Marines aren't just ground forces, they're also pilots for a uh, multi-platform aircraft that also flies in space called the Hammerhead. I like it. The physical props of which were so realistic that then when they were being transferred from the fabrication place to where they were shooting with them, Russian spies photographed them with satellites thinking they were experimental American aircraft. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, this show was awesome and way ahead of its time and super expensive. Uh, So, of course, Fox killed it after one season. Um, Scott will tell you the reason it was cool is because they... They knew they were going to end and started just throwing caution to the wind and writing whatever they wanted. And that's true to an extent, but they didn't know they were over until the last two episodes. So the last two episodes gets kind of crazy. Lots of people die or uh, bad things happen to them. Uh, It ends on a huge, I wouldn't even call it cliffhanger, just a giant like, uh, what? We're ending there? (coughs) So, uh, look, the show is awesome. It dealt with, there's such an amazing backstory to the whole world they live in about like the level of technology we have again it's cool because humans are at war with an alien race and we're getting our butts kicked um the backstory is on earth we've already been through a giant war with our worst creation artificial intelligence uh there are androids that we went to war with and we were losing that war so we created a group of uh, a race of humans called in vitros who are human beings who are literally grown in tanks specifically to fight in this war and then the war ended. So now we have essentially a third-class citizen race of artificially grown humans. Uh, it dealt with racism and uh, um, gender equality and all kinds of really ahead-of-its-time themes uh, while also having badass sci-fi stuff where, you know, you get dogfights in space. There's a fucking Red Baron alien episode, Jay. Ooh. Uh, where a Chig pilot who's an ace and flies a blood-red craft is taken out uh, hammerheads left and right, <clears throat> and the grizzled Marine captain who's in charge of the wild cars has to go take him out. Ugh, sorry. Um, the show was just awesome. And as a kid stumbling across it while channel surfing, I was instantaneously in love with this show. It was the first time I looked at uh, a spaceship show that wasn't Star Trek or Star Wars. We have giant warships out in space, but the technology is not that great. Uh, We're fighting in a war and we have cool futuristic armor, but it's still firearms, like conventional firearms. Um, There was a level of realism to it that you just didn't see in TV shows. It felt like a James Cameron TV show, but it wasn't a James Cameron TV show. Um, But you could have fooled me with it. It was just that perfect blend of awesome sci-fi, enough original stuff um, to keep you with it, 
and and sort of like a greatest hits of sci-fi you love uh sort of you know a little bit of wing commander a little bit of aliens a little bit of starship troopers uh, all thrown into a blender together uh the show is amazing i can't say that enough i love this show um sadly it's only available on dvd and on blu-ray yet but and it's fox so I guess Hulu maybe uh, would do a streaming series. And I don't know. This is one where I'm kind of up in the air of, do you try to do a follow-up and answer what the hell happened at the end of that last season? Or do you just hit the reboot button and start over again? Um, I don't know. It could go either way. Um, but it's the show is amazing, man. Look, I I don't know what the answer is either. But I do know one thing. I need yes. me one of them hammerheads. <laughs> Google it, dude. Google Space Above and Beyond. Okay, okay, yeah. Badass, yeah, that's, right? That's that's what I've been scrolling through on my phone for the last two minutes now is looking at pictures of it. That thing's awesome. I need I need one of those in my life. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I would totally be down for This is one of those things that like you wish you would have known was a show. Like, if me now could go back in time and tell younger Doc, hey, watch this show, I would do that. Doc, I feel like I failed you for not immediately. Actually, you know what? No, I'll take that back. Uh, I don't think I'd move to Iowa yet. So, dodge to blow that one. Never mind. I, yeah, I would have watched it. Uh, and again, it was only on for one season, so unless you, and and it got, if I remember correctly, it got shuffled around a lot, and it got preempted by um, uh, Friday or Monday Night Football a lot too. So it was hard for people to actually find the show when they were trying to find it, um, if they were fans of it. So it, it got kind of a raw deal. It cost a shit ton of money. Um, oh, and if I haven't sold you yet, Jay, the pilot episode when they go through boot camp, yeah. When you think boot camp and you think drill sergeant, who do you think? Zim. If you think another drill sergeant at boot camp, who do you think? Arlie Ermy. Guess who's there? Arlie Ermy. Arlie fucking Ermy. Nice. The gunny himself playing the gunny. Does it matter if it's in the future? Fuck no. It's the gunny. He's still the gunny. Yep. It's awesome, man. I'm just going to say, you know, kudos to Zim in uh, Starship Troopers. But if that would have been Arlie Ermey, oh, my God, that would have been great. <laughs> Could you imagine him delivering that line, the enemy cannot push a button if you disable his hand? I can. <laughs> like, uh, I can't think of the actor's name, who is Zim, but he did a great job. Uh, it's uh, it's the Kurgan from Highlander. Yes, <clears throat> he, wow. did. he did. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he did a great job. But man, Arlie Ermy would have taken that over the top. But now it is going to be my one lone sort of thing in life to try to find this on DVD. You can find it on DVD, on Amazon. It's not too crazy expensive. But like I said, it never got a Blu-ray release. I don't think the DVD sold very well. But Or, or you can just wait till I see you again, and I'll loan you mine. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, was that, did we cover your list? Yeah. 
All right. That's pretty much everything that I wanted to cover. Um, it was a good trip back to the 90s. Yeah. Let us know. What do you think of the 90s shows we want to bring back? Did we miss any? Uh, do you agree with our list? Are we idiots? Um, and while you're pondering that, I want you to think about this. When George brings his girlfriend to Festivus, only to have her dump him after agreeing with his dad's grievances, George vows to destroy the holiday. What could be on modern Seinfeld? <clears throat> and with that, uh, for me and the doc, thanks for listening. This has been your weekly Nerd Alert.